How many are ready for the Word of God this morning? Uh, try that one more time. How many people are ready for the Word of God this morning? Oh, yeah. I need to be hungry, amen. And uh, tonight, this morning, I'm a, I've got a message I want to preach to you. And uh, I believe that tonight, this morning, if you open your hearts, I want you to open your minds. And, and this morning, I want to talk about, I, I've got a, a very powerful message, which I believe which will, um, if you open up your hearts, it will absolutely transform your life. And uh, I know that's, it, it's something that God has been speaking to me about. And uh, basically, the guts of this message uh, addresses the, the core of humanity today. And... Uh, it's quite an extensive message, but I'm only just going to touch it this morning. But uh, Pastor Mike was saying he's going to start to look it into it next year. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse, verse 35. Give me a when you got it. How about that, eh? Absolutely. Why don't we just close our eyes? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your spirit in this place right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for um, your presence here touching people's lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that, uh, that you inspired men of old to, to, to write their testimony, write what they saw, write what they encountered about you. Holy Spirit, this morning we pray that as your presence is here, that you would open up our minds, that you would open up our hearts. As we open up your word, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through us this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning that you'd help me to bring this story alive and that, that we, our, our, our lives would be changed and our community would also be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, where were we? Chair, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Here we go. So it says, Then Jesus, everybody say, Then Jesus, Jesus. went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing the sick, to every, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But, everybody say but. I'm talking about but, not. Yeah. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because he saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out laborers into this great harvest. How many people know that this morning there was a great harvest that is ripe in our city today? There is a great harvest that is ripe in our nation. There is a great harvest that is ripe in our, com in our community right now. And uh, friend, it's always, the harvest has always been ripe. When Jesus makes the statement, surely the harvest is ripe. It has always been ripe. There's, there's always a time for salvation. The, the, the harvest in our community, the harvest in our neighborhood, the harvest in our nation has always been ripe. It's ripe right now. It's been ripe since 2,000 years. It's been ripe since the beginning of time. It's not, I, I don't believe it's, uh, uh, there's such seasons. Uh, we're not on the season of winning souls. Friends, the season for winning souls is always the season. There's some seasons that just don't change, and winning souls is one of them. There's always a time to reap souls, and uh, especially coming up for Christmas. And uh, it's, it's, we're, man, we're just going to have a powerful time, man. We're going to take the band down there, and uh, man, we're just going to absolutely crank it up down at the park. So encourage, man, bring, bring your friends. Pray for people. Bring, so, uh, I mean, they're not, they're not coming to church as such, but as the church. I mean, see, this, is, this building is just a church building. It's not the church. It's, you are the church. So as we the church take the church to the park, technically people are coming to church. <laughs> That's a great thing. So pray for your friends. And uh, let's just have a look at this. 
So Jesus, here he is, he's, he's moving around the cities, he's moving around the nation, preaching and he's teaching in churches and, and, and synagogues and, he's, and he's, uh, he's preaching the gospel and he's, he, he's, he's basically, he's just started his ministry. He's, he's, um, he, he's been baptized and he's, he's starting to walk the earth and he's starting to do miracles upon the earth. And I believe this, this story we're about to read right now, this, this moment in time right now, uh, I believe it was one of the, the most powerful times in Jesus Christ's life. I believe there was something that happened, something that happened on the inside of, of Jesus at that time, which, which literally transformed him. I think there was, there was something that took place inside. And it says, and, it, and there was, like, like, I, like the Bible was saying there, he's, he's going around preaching, he's, he's teaching, he's, he's doing miracles. And, uh, and of course, as he's doing this, a, a great crowd starts to follow. A great crowd starts to, starts to follow around him because there is an emptiness. There is a longing for, 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 for the reality of Jesus Christ in, in, in their lives. And so here they are, people are hungry for him. And it's, it's, but when he saw the multitudes, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. See, he saw a lot of people. See, we look out in our community today, and, and every day we see a lot of people. Every day we see people. Every day we see, we, we see people going to and, fro the, to and fro work, to and fro school. And uh, quite often, you know, we just, we're so focused on what we're doing, we, we see the people, but we don't see the people. You know what I'm saying? We, we see people, but we only see them with a, with a certain perspective. And it, says, but, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, but when he saw... Friend, this morning I want to talk about the value of people. The immense value of people. See, what did, what did Jesus see? Obviously, it says there, there's a, the, the word but, it means there's a, it's referring to uh, something that took a hold of him. There was something that, um, uh, all of a sudden his eyes were opened. He saw something in a different light, something that he hadn't quite seen before, I believe. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Friend, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a good feeling. It wasn't just a, a sensation of pity. It wasn't just a, ah, oh, man, look at these poor people out there. No, no, it was a bit more than that. There was something took place on the inside of him. There was something... Uh, what he saw was so intense. What he, his eyes were open to, to, to such a level that, that what he saw impacted him with, with, with um, uh, so deep that he was moved with compassion. There was something that took place deep inside of his spirit. Something was moved right inside of him. And this morning I want to look at what did he see. Because uh, to, 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 to impact him to such a great level, he must have seen something. There must have been something that took place inside of him that caused him to, to, to be moved in this way. And it says, um, but when he saw the multitudes, what he saw was this, he saw people. He saw many, many people. I mean, it, it, you can see a crowd, but every, every crowd is made up of a lot of individual people. People. There's a crowd here this morning. Every one of you is a person. Every one of you is a special person. And tonight, this morning, I want to talk about, uh, about the value of people, the immense value of people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion. What were they weary about? They were weary. They were tired. Friend, I believe that they were... Uh, you know, the Bible talks about the burden of sin upon, uh, upon people's lives. And every person, because of Adam's fault, is born with a burden of sin upon their life. 
And friend, I believe one of the things, one of the things he saw was he saw the, 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 the burden of sin on people's lives. He saw that they were, they were shackled with the yoke that they couldn't get rid of. He saw the sicknesses. He saw the poverty. He saw the addiction. He saw all these things that were crippling people's lives. And then he saw the, the, the religious people, how they would put all these religious rituals on them so they could, uh, if they did this and they, they did that, if they looked like this or if they were just like that, they, they, then they would have some, uh, then they'll be closer to God. So they were burdened with all these, uh, burdened with the burden of religion, burdened with the burden of sin and, and sickness and all these other things. And they were scattered. There was, there was no one to lead them. The only people that were leading them were leading them out of selfish gain, leading them just to pump up their own empire. So here we have, we have a whole bunch of people that are, that are weary and scattered. And it's like, if you look at our community today, what do you see? What do you see when you look at the community? What do you see when you walk down the streets and you look into people's eyes? What do you see? When you take a moment, when you walk through the cities of Hastings, when you walk through the city of Napier, when you walk through Flaxmere, and you look at people's eyes, what do you see? I mean, for so many people, they look, oh, there's a chance to make some money. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. They see people as a source to elevate their own financial, financial level. But I want to tell you this. I want, to, I want to have a look about what Jesus saw, what it was that he saw. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why don't we just have a look at um, Genesis chapter 1. Yeah, Genesis chapter 1. It's right at the beginning of the Bible. So something that got a hold of him, something that moved him. Friends, I want to tell you about what did he see? What was it that moved him so and, I mean, have you, have you ever... Uh, I don't know if there's any car enthusiasts here this morning, but... Uh, uh, have you ever seen like an old car that's been uh, a car enthusiast? That meant that maybe they're into Model A Fords. And anyone here into Model A Fords? No, whatever. But my, you know, I've, I've seen people. I mean, my, my dad had a, had a few old cars, and and it's like um, uh, you know, you could be driving down the road. I mean, there's there's lots of cars out in the road. I mean, there's cars everywhere, but. When you see him, when, when you see when enthusiast sees a car that he's uh, he's enthusiastic about that he's that he's uh, that he's besotted about uh, something inside of him gets all tickled. <laughs> but if you saw that same car locked away in a bar, I mean I've seen I mean I've seen car, I mean I like some some, some types some types of cars, and I mean I've seen some in the garage, and and you open the the old garage door and you see it it's all run down, and you think, oh look at that car, look at that piece of craftsmanship, and there it is, just sitting in a hay barn covered with bird pot. And there's something inside that, something inside of you moves you. How could you do that to that car? <laughs> How could you do that? Or if you look, say, I mean, I know, maybe you're walking down, down Napier, and there's lots of buildings down Napier, and you see these Art Deco buildings. And, and to be honest, some people, it's like, they're a building. That's what they are, they're a building. But somebody who's enthusiastic, somebody who has, who has put themselves into, uh, they've put their life into building or architecture or something like that, and then they see an Arch they, they see an Art Deco building and they look at this thing, look at that building, look there. This. But see, one person would see one thing, one person would just see how that's just a building. 
somebody else will look at the same thing and think, hey man, look at that, that is, that is an absolute work of, work of architecture. And then when somebody comes on with a spray can and paints West Side all over it, they look at their thing and think, hey, what have they done? They're beautiful building, and look, it's all run down, no one's taking care of it. But if you look at Jesus, you know, Jesus wasn't... Uh, see, See, the Bible says in the beginning, the word was God. In the, in the beginning was the word. See, 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 when Jesus looked at people, he looked at them in a way because, because the, the Bible says that he was at the beginning of creation. He, he was, Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. He was God. He is God. He still is God. So if you look at the beginning of uh, in Genesis, he says, and God started to make creation. He says, let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. It was very good. And then he goes this. Uh, and then it goes in verse 26 and it says, let us make man, let us, God said, let us make man in our own image. Who's us? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ was alive. He was, he was there at the beginning of time. He was there um, uh, when man was created. So we're, we're going to work this out a little bit. He was, he was there when man was created. He was there when you and I create, were created. So he was before man was formed, he already knew who you were. Before the beginning of time, he knew that you were going to exist. He knew that one day he was going to make a Rod Patterson. And this time, and this time, this this place and point of time, there's going to be a Rod. I'm going to make me a Rod Patterson, and he's and he is destined to live at this time. God knew you. God formed you before the creation. See, God already had you planned out. See, you are not an accident. And so God said, let us make man in our own image. According to, his, according to our likeness, according to our reflection, let them have dominion. Them being male and female. So uh, hunting and fishing and stuff like that, killing stuff, ain't just a boy's thing, it's a girl's thing. <laughs> let them have dominion over the earth. Them, male and female. Over every fish of the sea, over every bird of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing and everything that creeps on the earth. So that means cockroaches and spiders and stuff like that. Ladies, you can't have dominion over those bad boys. <laughs> every little thing that creeps over the earth. Yeah, come on. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, once again, over the birds of the air, and over every little bad boy that creeps along the earth. So here, Jesus Christ, he was, he was there at the beginning of time. He saw that he was there when man was created. See, there was a time when God said, Man, I, I, I want, I've created creation. We've got... We've got trees, we've got all these beautiful things, we've got animals, we've got little crawly things, we've got little things that swim in the sea, we've got, we've got plants that grow up and, and, and a real beautiful... But there's something else that I want, I want people. I want people. I want, some, I want to create a being that, that is in my likeness, that is in my image, that I can relate to, that, that, I can, that I can fellowship with, that I can communicate with, that I can love, that who will love me back that I could set in place to rule and have dominion over all these things. I'm going to create people. And Jesus said, yeah, that's, that, that's a good idea, Dad. Let's, let's make people. Let's make a Terry. Let's make a Rod. Let's make a Joe. Let's just set them out in time like this. Let's make people. Man, and let's have lots of people. 
Let's fill the earth with people. Man, it's just, that's going to be great. We're going to be a, a great, happy family, and we're going to, uh, it's going to be fun. So let's make people. So they made people. So God made a person. He said, look, I'll, uh, see, the person has to be different from an animal. And unfortunately, we live in a world today where, where people are teaching this, this evolution stuff. And, and, and I'll get onto that in a minute. But it's like, see, see Jesus was there when he created you. And see, there was, one, there, was, there was something he did that separated out you and I from animals. Let's have a quick look. It says there, the God... Blah, 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 uh, and then in verse 24, it said, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Then later on, it says, let us make man. Then one thing he did, they separated man from any, any animal. He says, God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful. So one of the things he did, he blessed them. And let's look over in, in chapter 2, verse 7. Let's have a look at it again. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And God's, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a what? A living being. So there's one thing there that, that I mean, apart from other things, we, didn't, we haven't got heaps, I mean, some people got heaps of hair, but, uh, <laughs> but there was one thing there that, that God did that, that, that separated us from every animal. It says that God breathed into man, and man became a living being. So what God did is he put the breath of life he put a part of himself, he put a, he put a, he, there was a part of him that he put into man that he didn't put into anything else. See, he did not breathe himself. It doesn't say he breathed the, the breath of life into your cat or your dog or anything like that. He said he breathed the breath of life. He put a part of himself inside of man. And he blessed man. I mean, he blessed animals, but he, there was something that he did to man. He, 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 he both blessed them and he breathed his life into them. So every person that would carry on from there would carry a piece of God, the breath of God inside of our lives. Friend, this morning, you carry the breath of God inside of your life. The reason that you breathe is because God gives it to you. See, God put something, God formed you. The Bible says, and, and, and I think it's in Jeremiah, before I, formed the, uh, before I created the earth, I formed you before you even in your mother's room, womb. See, you were formed by God. You were created by God. There is a part of you that is inside. There is a part of the kingdom of God that is already within you. Whether you know Jesus Christ or whether you don't, there's a part of God that lives inside you. And that does not live in any animal. See, friends, that's what separates, one of the main things that separates us from, uh, 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 from, from people, from, from animals. And that, that's how we, can, we, we, we kind of come from a monkey because God never breathed life into a monkey. He breathed life into a human. A human, man became a living being. What that does then, it gives... When I talk about the value of people, what, what that does to you and I, what they gave to man, is an, what's called an intrinsic value. Everybody say an intrinsic value. And see, at the same time that, that, that man was formed on the earth and, and created to rule and, and uh, made in the, 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 the image and the reflection of God so that, uh, so that all creation, when they looked at man, would look and they, uh, they could see something that was created in the reflection. So, so God Himself never actually had to never actually had to be there. He, he, he commissioned man to take have dominion over the earth. 
And he created man in his own image and, and, and put something inside of him so that every time creation looked at man, they would see the reflection of God. So when people look at you, when people look at me, what they should supposed to be seeing is the reflection of God. <laughs> How about that, eh? And so... Uh, and so, I mean, at the same time, you've got the devil on the earth at the same time. And, 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 and for a while, for a period of time, the earth had been the devil's playground. And of course, God put man in there, created in, the, in his image. So every time the devil, every time the creation looked at man, they would see uh, uh, a being that was created in the image of God, a, a so-called inferior being that was, that was created to rule and to reign. And so the devil decided, man, I'm going to bring this creature that God called man down. I'm going to find a way to, to rob him because, uh, I mean, why didn't the devil try and um, do something to cats or dogs or something like that? Why was it that, why was, it that it was people and not, not dogs? Or, yeah. I mean, some dogs are me. But there was something about people. There was something about the people that the devil hated because uh, people, took, uh, people took the position that... that um, there, uh, there was a position, there's a place that God had close to his heart that he wanted people to fill that was once there by the devil. And he set people in a place to, to take over the devil's playground, which was called earth. So he put you and I here on earth for a reason, to have dominion, but also to have relationship and to have fellowship with God. And so the devil gets jealous of that and tries to find a way out. Find a way that he can bring him down. And that says in, in, verse, in, in, in chapter 3, verse... Uh, four. And so the devil comes to the woman and said, God said, don't eat of the tree. God set some boundaries up to protect the relationship. And then God, and then uh, in chapter three, verse four, it says, then the serpent said to a woman, did God really say that? You're not going to die. You're not going to die if you eat of that tree. You're not going to die. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of hogwash. In verse five, it says, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Everybody say, like God. Knowing good and evil. So you've got to understand there's a, there's a woman here, there's a, there's a man and a woman there that, that were already created, the Bible says, in the likeness or the image of God. The word image and likeness are, are, are very much the same. So here was a woman, here was a, here was a person that already had a piece of God inside of her, already created in the image of God, already created in, her li in his likeness. And here the devil comes and says, if you do that, then you will be like God. See, she already had what's called intrinsic value inside of her life. She already had a built-in value. And the devil knows that because, because God, he, he, he created us with a soul. He created us with the choice of free will so that we would choose to love him. That we would choose to relate with him. That we would choose to accept him. Otherwise, it would never be love. If, he, if it was compulsory that we loved him then it wouldn't be love. You must love me, otherwise I'll smite you down. That's, that's not love. Yeah, your cat doesn't love you either. Don't like cats. Yes. And so what that... See, the... People were already created with an intrinsic value. People had already had, already created in the likeness of God, already had a value, already had a value stamped on their life, already had 
created in the image and had um, and that God's spirit already, uh, the breath of God inside of us already. What else would you want? And of course, then it comes the devil and says, I'm going to get this vulnerable part of your soul, which has the choice of free will. And if I can influence your soul, if I can get a hold of a person's soul, the, the, the ability to, to, to choose freely, then I can influence the person, I can influence their spirit away from a relationship with God. And so he comes and he starts to attack the part of her life, the, the, the part of her life that is, uh, that is of free will. And it says, if you, if, you, if you do this, if you eat this, then you will be like God. But when this woman saw the tree, it was, what? Good for food. That it was pleasant to the eyes. And what is this? Is this I lost it. My eyes were all funny. <laughs> it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. And she took of it and ate the fruit. See, the devil got her soul to try and find her value or identity in something that was external. Something that was extrinsic. Something that was outside. See, the devil tried to uh, appeal to the three parts of her life. The Bible said it was, first it was good for food. The first area that the devil will try and uh, get you in is the area of your body. The other part, it was pleasing to the eyes. Didn't that look nice? <laughs> the other part, it was desirable to make one wise. See that? She was affected. He was, the devil tried to get her the part of a, 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 a physical attraction, soul attraction, but also spiritual and, and, and status. See, he was trying to get her eyes. She, her eyes got all boggling. and she could see that, hey, man this, is, man, this is good for my flesh. Man, this appears to be good for my flesh. And if I have that, then I'll be good. Then I'll, then I'll be like God. If I have that thing that, if I eat that, or uh, if I'm like this, then I'll be like God. Or uh, if I... She saw it was good, and then all of a sudden, oh, the desires started to come up. Oh, I'd like that. If I had that, then, then I'd be valuable. If I had that, then I'd be like God. Then if, if I had that, then I'd be acceptable. If I was like that, like that person over there, if I had this around my life, ah, then I'd be... All those things are external. They're, they're all extrinsic. Let me have, let's have a look at the words extrinsic and, and intrinsic. The extrinsic value is value derived from or gained from something else. How something compares or compares in value alongside of another. And friend, if you look at the world, I mean, that's just a a very brief example. If you look at the world's value system, which came from this point here, the world's value system is all extrinsic. It's all external. And see, this is what caused man to fall in the first place, is their eyes got taken off, the, the internal value already placed inside of them onto something, into a deception, into a lie, that if they had something external, then they would be valuable. Then they would have a sense of identity. So the world judges. If you look around the world today, it judges people, it determines people's value by external appearance, primarily. The world judges, for, and, and, and this is where it came from, from this point here. And friends, you and I have uh, that choice of free will. And this is the lie that gets spread around the world today. This is the lie that companies make millions of dollars out of, out of, uh, out of that vulnerable part in people's lives. 
about one of the core needs, the core val- the, the, the core elements that make the person up. And if they can tap into that, then they can make a heck of a lot of money. Extrinsic value. There's two main scales which the world judges people, I believe, on extrinsically. The first one is sexual and the second one is social. <laughs> Where do you fit in the social scale in society today? Maybe at the top, maybe at the bottom. What gets you to the top of the social scale? Money? Possessions? Good looks? Bad looks? Wherever you look, I mean, you, you look at advertising today. Advertising is not selling your product. They sell your lifestyle. If you have this car here, <laughs> man, you're going to be unbelievably sexy. <laughs> if you have, if you have this deodorant here, guys. I mean, every guy. I mean, I mean my goodness, man. There's a there's a part of. Uh, who we are, that it's just these galloping horses inside of there, man. <laughs> and so marketing people know that if they can get a hold of those internal drives and yeah, <laughs> they can play tricks. Friends, they're not trying to sell you a deodorant, they're trying to sell you a, a lifestyle into that, to that part of people's lives that if you have this, then you'll have that. Then you'll be a very sexy man. And girls are just going to fall at their... F- I mean, I, it doesn't work. <laughs> I, mean, I know for Terry it may work. <laughs> Terry, man, you want to see that? Just the guns, Terry. <laughs> but seriously, if you look at the value system today, it's about if you have this or if you... I mean, you check about those girls on TV with, with, with their makeup and their hair, and if you have that, the shampoo, if you wash your hair with the shampoo, then your hair will just... How many of you go out and buy that thing? <laughs> Doug does. <laughs> I know it's just a subtle thing, but it's a... But why is it that people are making so much money out of it? Because it's appealing to that desire inside people's life to be valued and to have a sense of identity. And unfortunately, this is where... The world has gone a bit funny where we try and find our value, find our, uh, uh, find our, our value or identity or our security in something that is extrinsic or external, either by what we have or what we don't have. When you are, when you, when you are on here, when you, when you do this, you, when we determine or allow our lives to be term, determined by extrinsic value, then we are believing a lie. If you're falling for that, if you're trying to find your identity, if you're trying to find value, or if you judge a person's value, if you start to determine a person's value by the where they are on the social ladder or on the sexual ladder, you are falling for that lie. And society will never, it will never rise up. We have the flesh's products, but we'll never ever uh, be a secure society. Intrinsic value. Now, 
Intrinsic value means that it's, it's a value in itself. It doesn't get its value from its association with something else. So if you have something which is extrinsically valued, then it gets its value from somewhere else. And from if this other thing hasn't got intrinsic value, then it, it keeps trying to find its value from something else. Whereas if you have an intrinsic value, it means you don't need to find value. You don't need to find identity. You don't need to find security from any external thing because it's already within you. And friend, when God created you, he breathed into you. Now God is God. He is the source of all wisdom. He doesn't need you to be secure. He's secure all in himself. He doesn't need anything else to find. He is God. He is above all things. He is all things. He is the source of all life. He is God. He is the creator of heavens and earth. And, and when he formed you, he breathed into you. He put a bit of himself into you. He doesn't need to find his value from something else. Because he is all value. And when he created you, when he formed you, he put himself, he put a part of, he breathed into you. And from that point on, you don't need to find your security from things externally. You don't need to find your, your security, your identity or your value in what you do, who you are, what you have, what you don't have, what you look like, what you don't look like. You find your value in God and God alone because he's already put a part of himself inside of you. The Bible says he blessed them. What does it mean to bless? I mean, to, to bless means to come alongside and to, and to work with. But to bless also means to, 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 to speak words over. Friend, it's not necessary when you speak words over, over somebody, when you, when you bless somebody, the, the power to fulfill the blessing is already, it's intrinsic in the blessing itself, if you can work that out. So when you bless, when you speak words over somebody, there is, a, there is an intrinsic power inside of those words. There is a built-in power. Our words have the power of life or death. So when you bless somebody, when you speak somebody, and, and what it says in the beginning, that God blessed man. Again, intrinsic value came inside you and I. It's already there. You don't need to find your security in anything else like that. And so uh, he, he blessed him. And in Genesis 2 verse 7, he said, he, and he breathed into him the blessing of life. So when we start to fire our identity in things that, ex that are external or extrinsic, you will never, ever find fulfillment. And friend, that is one of the main reasons. That is the core of humanity today. People don't find their value or identity in God. People chasing the ladder. They get to the top of the ladder. Oh, it's on the wrong wall. Oh. Get to the pinnacle or... When you look at Michael Jackson, man, he's the king of pop. Now look at him. When you look at Jesus, Jesus' identity was found in God. If you look at Matthew, just quickly turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. So here, when, when Jesus himself was looking at man, when his eyes were opened, he was there at the creation. He was there. He saw these people that he put a part of himself into and how they had all gone astray and how they all got... See, friend, the guts of it is that when Jesus looked at the multitudes, 
He saw how far people had come from his original intention when he created them in the first place. That's what moved him. For many of you, you've got teenage kids and you've got kids, maybe they grow up and go off the rails. I mean, it breaks your heart. Why does it break your heart? Because a part of you is in your kid. There's a part of you that's in that child, and when that child grows up and starts to make bad decisions, starts to do silly things, starts to wander off and go astray, a part of you gets moved. And this is the same Jesus Christ himself, the same thing that touched his life. And, so, and it says here, and, um, and Jesus gets baptized, and he says in um, um, Genesis, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, um, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, and I hear these words from God, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You are my son. You are my son. Friend, this morning, God, you are a child of God. You carry the breath of God into it. I have created you. You are my way. It's all through the Bible. Before the beginning of time, I formed you. You are my workmanship, created for purpose. Same words. He speaks to his own son here. He says, you are my beloved son, and I am pleased with you. You are my son. He speaks identity over, over Jesus as a young man. You are my son. You're no son of the world. You are my son. What he did was he, he established a sense of identity over Jesus Christ. Look at the very next thing, what happened. Jesus gets led into the wilderness, and the, the very first thing that the, the devil said to him, he says, if you are the son of God, then do this. Instantly, where the first man fell with his security and, 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 and his value, the devil once again came and tempted Jesus with the same thing. If you are the son of God, if you really are his son, then you will do this, something externally. If you would just do this, then you can have that. If you do this. And then later on in Matthew, they, when Jesus is on the cross, he says, someone yells out to him, he says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, come down. Do something. Do, do a magic trick or something. Then we'll believe. You don't need to find your security or your identity and your value in what you do. If we judge people by extrinsic value, society will be on very slippery ground. You look at with Jesus. So Jesus himself, he was secure in, in, in his identity. He resisted the temptation to to define his value or identity in other places. So being secure in himself, you look at how he treated others. You look at the man with leprosy in, um, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse, verse 40. There's a man with leprosy comes up to, uh, and he wants healing from Jesus. And see, the Bible says, and Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. There's a man with leprosy, skin falling off. Social reject, had to ring a little bell saying, go away, go away, unclean, unclean, unclean. But what did Jesus do? He saw past the leprosy. He saw past the skin falling off. He saw past the smell of sin off a person's life and reached out his hand and touched him. Why did he do that? Because he saw a part of himself inside that man. He saw intrinsic value. He saw that even though this man, has a, his, his, his social value was at the bottom of the pile, he saw that man. You're one of mine. What about Zacchaeus in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 19? Zacchaeus, the Bible says that he was a tax collector, very rich. He worked for the IRD. 
You ever talk to, uh, remember, if you're trying to talk with somebody and imagine if you're an ID, if you work for the IRD and you're talking with somebody who's in business and, you say, and they ask you, what do you do for a job? And you say, well, I work for the IRD. Man, I tell you, man, that, that's a conversation stopper. <laughs> what do you do? Well, I work for the audit department. Oh, sorry, I've got to go. Social values right down here. So Zacchaeus, he worked for the, and they weren't just an ordinary, man, they weren't like the tax department we have today. Man, if they wanted your money, man, they just, well, suppose they want your money, they'll come and take it. <laughs> but he would just go and take money, and of course he was, he was socially despised by people. He had a lot of money, so technically he should have been at the top of the social pile, but he was a tax collector. He did it by, by defrauding people and, uh, and robbing people, and so people hated him. He was at the bottom... Uh, he was at the bottom of the social stack. The Bible says he was short. Now, <laughs> yeah, some people were saying that, man, you need to be, if you want to be a sexy man, you've got to be tall, six foot. I mean, it's, I mean, for a lot of it's unspoken, but socially he was of little value and probably sexual he was a little man. You couldn't see above the crowd. He was short. <laughs> so in the eyes of the world, he was of little value. But there was something inside of him that was longing for God, longing for something. He climbed to the top of the tree. And when Jesus saw him at the top of that tree, he said, man, I'm coming to your house for tea. I mean, he didn't just come up and shake his hand or anything like that. I want to come inside of your life. See, Jesus, he looks past all the, world, all the value systems of the world and looks past and sees the core of who people are. So when Jesus, when he gets to the top of the mountain, when he gets and his eyes were opened and he sees the multitude, how they were scattered and lost and, and under the burden of sin, and, and his heart was broken because he said this was never ever most supposed to be like that. Let's not judge people by the external. Let's not judge people by, let's not determine people's value just by what they look like or what they have or what they don't have or anything like that. Because the measure, with the measure we judge, we're going to be judged too. And just in finishing up, now he said, so after this, and uh, let's just turn back to Matthew chapter, Matthew, Matthew 10. So after you had seen these people, after he had this transformation inside of his life, after he had, his eyes were open to this place, he said, man, I develop a strategy to reach these people. So it said, and when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power of unclean spirits to cast out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. First thing he did, he called people. He called he called disciples. Friends, there's many people here today, and you are called by God to put some stuff underneath your feet. You are called by God. You have got an anointing upon your life to put poverty underneath your feet. Young people, some of you got calls upon your life to put uh, teenage uh, suicide underneath your feet. People here, many people in society, you are called, you are gifted. You are talented. God has put things in your life because he's seen something inside of you. 
For many of you are called, but the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Plenty of people are called. Called by God to do what? To put some stuff underneath your feet. To, 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 to put poverty underneath our feet. To put depression underneath the feet. To put sickness underneath our feet. To bring people from a place of brokenness to a place of victory. To pray, take people from a place of death into a place of life. That is what people like you and I are called to do. Listen, 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 listen. Listen who he called. He called his 12 disciples. See, friends, people can be called but not chosen. There's a difference, I believe, from being a... When you first give Jesus, invite Jesus Christ into your life, you're a Christian, you, be, you, you receive the gift of salvation, but you're not yet a disciple. See, he called disciples and gave disciples the power to put the stuff underneath your feet. Young people, older people this morning, for some of you who have been Christians for a long, long time, but are still a baby in your growth, you will not put stuff under your feet where you still change the stay like that. You must become a disciple. God has called you and I to be disciples of Jesus Christ. In other words, people that are formed, imitators of Christ. In other words, we, we're ambassadors. We carry the nature. We carry the values of the kingdom. We carry the, the values of Christ. We imitate him. Disciplined our lives to, 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 to bring our lives in, accordance, in obedience to him. So he called disciples, and then, he called, and then in Matthew 28, he said to those disciples, he gives them the great commission, go and make other disciples, teaching them everything I've commanded you to teach. I'll be with you until the end of time. And then he gave them authority and gave them power. Friends, this morning, could I just have the musicians up, please? You may fall in, in one of these categories. Maybe you're here this morning and you're one of those people that are, are burdened by heavy burdens. You're scattered. You're the God of miracles. This morning, Jesus Christ, his presence is here. He can lift that burden of sin off your life. For some of you here this morning, You've tried to find your value. You've tried to find your identity into things that are external. You're still broken. This morning, you don't need to find it and that sort of stuff. This morning, you need to know in the bottom of your heart that you are created in the image of God. You carry the breath of God. You carry a value in there that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. You don't need to bow to the deception of marketing. Don't be led astray. Every eye closed, every head bowed this morning. Maybe here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never invited them into your heart. Today would be a great day to do that. He is the only one that can lift that burden off your life. He is the only one that can make you whole. This morning, have you invited Jesus Christ into your life? If you haven't, I encourage you. Is there anyone here this morning you do not know Jesus Christ? Tonight, this morning, you want to invite him in to lift that burden. You want him to be your Lord and Savior. Why don't you just lift your hand up right now? Anyone here? 
you've never ever invited Jesus Christ into your heart. You've looked at other things, you've tried to find your identity in other things, but the one thing you haven't tried is Jesus Christ. He formed you, he made you. Maybe you want to come up and talk to me afterwards, that's, that's fine. Make that decision. Maybe you're here and you're, you're a Christian, but you're so insecure inside. You've been looking to this, you've been looking to that, you've been wandering this way and wandering that way. This morning, stop looking at things. Stop for yourself. Stop looking at trying to look for money, trying to look for, for social status. Stop trying to look at all these external things to, to find your value. You don't need to. It's a deception. Find it in Christ and Christ alone. When you do that, it will absolutely change your life. Like David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no need. <laughs> well, the Lord is my shepherd, I have absolutely no need. Friend, when you have the Lord as your shepherd, when you look to him for your security, for your identity, you have no need. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you've been a Christian for a long time. But you're not yet a disciple of Jesus Christ. Friend, make a decision this morning that you'll commit yourself to applying the word of God. Commit yourself this morning to, to chasing hard after him. Commit yourself this morning that you will find your identity, that you will start to become a shepherd, that you will start to become a leader in society today, that you will steer people away from, from that lie of the devil and you will bring them to the truth. Amen? Amen? Why don't we get to stand up and give the Lord a big shout of praise? Come on. Hallelujah, Lord.